0: Good citizens of Crypt Nation, welcome back to the Crypto One Hundred and One Podcast. It is welcome I, your host, welcome. the Notorious Pizza Mind, and I am ah. joined by Bryce Paul over here. I'm doing the introduction today, uh, <laughs> just because we rolled the dice differently and I scored higher than he did. Yeah, Bryce, how you nice doing over there?
1: <laughs> you know, I just came back from Vegas, uh, lost all my money. You no, know, I only I only lost thirty bucks actually, so I felt pretty good. Um, So I decided, hey, let's take a little coin toss, and and Pete's mind won this one. Uh, But my luck hasn't run out because Bitcoin and Ethereum and everything is just, the market's cranking. Uh, The altcoins are still cranking. So I think we're in for a really nice Q2, quarter two, right? You know, just started here in (laughs) April. Fingers crossed. I see our guest on video, uh, behind the scenes already crossing his fingers. If you guys aren't following us on YouTube and you're already listening to this just on Spotify or whatever, uh, come check us out on YouTube. There's a whole new element. Come see with me and pizza mines, ugly mugs look like, um, and all of our beautiful guests. Uh, we got Josh.
0: costumes every day for you guys. So yeah, well, don't waste my efforts.
1: Yeah. We, we should have a Dow that just votes on what kind of costumes we
0: wear. <laughs> oh God. No, that's a horrible idea. Um, But you know, back to business, we're all about trying to onboard the next 100 million users into crypto. That's what we do here at Crypto 101, maybe 101 million. Uh, And someone who shares our sentiment and goal and slogan is the founder of Origin Protocol, Josh Frazier. We've been a big fan of yours for a long time. Glad to have you back on the podcast. Welcome, sir.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Uh, Huge fan of what you guys are doing. I think you do incredibly important work of bringing uh, new people into the space and getting up to speed on what crypto is and why it's important and educating them. Uh, So very, very grateful for uh, the outstanding job that you guys do.
0: Well, we have the easy job over here. We just get to talk to amazing founders like yourself uh, and just stare in awe going, wow, I wish we could do all that. (laughs) But uh, while we're busting our humps over here, you have to... Origin launched in 2018 and was one of the coins that you know we really were watching out over here for all the promise that it had and all the things that it made capable. For those who haven't heard of this yet, give us a high level overview of what Origin Protocol is and what you guys have been up to in the past couple of years since we last had you on.
2: Yeah, there's it been a lot going on. Uh, when we, you know, we launched our coin in 2018, we actually started in 2017 building in this space. Um, But we started out with a very different product than what what we have today. Um, We started out trying to do like a decentralized marketplace for anything. And that was the original vision that we we set out with. Um, Today, we've narrowed in a little bit on two different areas, one in DeFi and one in NFTs. Uh, So we have uh, two different products there. On the NFT side, we have Origin Story, uh, which has been the marketplace for some of the largest NFT sales in, uh, that have happened. We starting with Blau's at $11.7 million and at the time was uh, the highest um, or largest NFT sale to that point and is still the largest music NFT sale to date. Uh, and what was really, the artist look, for that one? This is Justin Blau, oh. um, the, the DJ. Um, yeah. So this is before Beeple. Uh, so this at the time that was uh, the largest one. And... Um, and really if you look back that was really the moment when nfts entered the mainstream consciousness before Mm -hmm. then it was really just nerds like us that kind of knew what nfts were uh Mm -hmm. and this happened you know height of covid all the artists were stuck at home no one was touring no one was making any money uh and then blau kind of came out of nowhere with this huge uh nft drop and that's where like the you know the, the entire industry kind of Uh, started paying attention to nfts uh we saw a a huge influx of um, mainstream awareness of people coming into nfts of our artists getting involved in in doing their own nft drops and a lot of you know promotion a lot of new people coming into crypto as a result of that
1: Yeah, no, it seems like Origin Protocol, you know, you guys really run the gamut across the the crypto sphere and you guys do a lot of things. And I I love the tagline. Uh, Pizza Mine already mentioned it, but onboarding Mm -hmm. the next 100 million users to crypto. Like, I think I want to focus a lot on that because not enough builders are focused on usability and Mm -hmm. user adoption. They're focused on, you know, here's this really new, interesting, cool technology. How could we make the most cutting edge thing? And, you know, get the fanciest equations and formulas for the best efficiencies and yada yada yada. But they're not thinking about like the you know getting mass adoption for for you know hundreds of millions of people to use this stuff. And mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's a difficult problem to solve. So so that's and it's a bold statement. You guys have it on the very front of your webpage. What does it mean to you? How are you guys doing this? Um, you know what is it specifically that you guys are doing that's going to make you know, a hundred million people come to crypto through origin protocol.
2: Yeah. Uh, personally, I, I would have thought that it would be D5. That would be the killer app that would, you know, really bring in the, mo- the most people to the space. Uh, and we'll talk about the, the work we're doing on, on the DeFi 5 front uh, today. But, um, you know, a, to my surprise, I think NFTs have maybe done more uh, to bring sort of mainstream awareness and bring new people into the space Um it, they're something that, you know, a lot of people can get very easily. They, um, and, you know, we're, they certainly have generated a, a, a lot of excitement, particularly with, you know, you have a, like all of these celebrities and people are coming in, holding Bored Apes. You know, but the reach of uh, some of these people, like we did a, a drop with Paris Hilton, right? And seeing her go on, you know, TV and talk about what she's doing in NFTs. The people she can reach are just—it's a much, much bigger audience than, um, than than what we have, right? And so um, I, I think that's one of the unique aspects of NFTs. It's really bro- its really expanded um, the audience of people who are, who are paying attention to this stuff. As far as how we think about it from a, a product standpoint, is really about how do we make it really simple and easy. Uh, so getting to the DeFi side, uh, we have a product today called Origin Dollar or OUSD. And you can think of it as the easiest way to earn in DeFi. Uh, as you guys know, there's always like amazing opportunities in DeFi to earn j- just great yields from, you know, lending platforms like Aave and compound trading platforms like Uniswap and Curve and Balancer. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of these, these uh, DeFi protocols are offering incentives as well. Uh, where they are offering rewards for, for using this platform. Um, but there's a, there's a lot of uh, pain that goes along with, with using that as well. Now, there's gas costs on the Ethereum network that are quite expensive and prohibitive for um, the average user to, to get started. Uh, and really the inspiration for this product came from being a yield farmer myself. And I, I went through this sort of very familiar flow, which is you're, you know, maybe you're in a stablecoin pool, you're getting these rewards, uh, and then you have to come back every couple of days and harvest your rewards and you get these random tokens, and then you go and you swap them on Uniswap, and then you re-deposit them again. Uh, and you have to keep repeating a cycle as, as frequently as you can because you want the you know faster compounding. Uh, but then when you actually do the math I and mean, you look at how much you've spent on gas costs, uh, it's cost you <laughs> a fortune and it's taken a bunch of time uh, to, to maintain all of this. Bingo. <laughs> uh, and, and, and a lot of times like the yields are moving around, right? So you're like, You're in one pool today and then, you know, uh, you want to move to another pool because it's got higher yield, but it's too expensive and it it costs too much to kind of chase that that yield. Yeah, if you think about
1: it, kind of like like how some people are just like, because of all that complexity, all that time, and really you're just eking out maybe a percentage point, why don't you just, you know, kind of buy a product? Like, you know, in you know, instead of doing active management, you just buy the S&P 500, right? And it's like, that's the same idea. You're not buying all the active management. You're just buying the market. And so it sounds like Origin kind of has a package like that.
2: Yeah. One of the things that um, is important to understand, like on Ethereum, your gas costs are constant, right? You pay the same amount of money to move $1 as you spend to move a $1 million, right? It's not a percentage fee that you're being charged. Right. So... There's thank a God. huge, yeah, thank God. Uh, but there's a huge advantage to um, sharing those costs and amortizing the costs and maintaining these positions with a, a large group of people. Because then, if you're, you know, say it costs fifty dollars to, you know, uh, man, you know, maintain a position, uh, fifty bucks for you if you've only got, you know, a thousand dollars in it, that that's a big percentage to swallow. But if you're if it's split across fifty million dollars, it's it's no big deal, right? So um, there's huge advantages to um, amortizing those those costs, uh, and so that's what Origin Dollar does. Right? It allows you to participate um, in all of these great yield farming opportunities uh, without any of those hassles. Uh, and so it's backed by USDT, USDC, and Dai. Uh, those funds, when you mint OUSD or you buy it, they're getting deployed into protocols but you know and we, and we focus solely on like the safest most battle tested protocols out there that have had hundreds of millions of dollars or billions of dollars in them that have been audited by the top firms that have stood the test of time right we're not yeah. we're not trying to take any crazy risks here with, with anyone's money. Um, it doesn't make sense to gamble your, your principal for uh, a few percentage points right so very very focused on security um and also that ease right so you take it, um, you put your your money uh, in your wallet. And what's unique about Origin Dollar is it just grows right there in your wallet. You don't have to do uh, any staking. You don't have to do any lockups. You don't have to do any harvest. You don't have to do it. There is no step two. It's get some USD and that's it, right? Just sit back and let me know. And it OUSD rebases automatically. And it rebases. Right? So, um, and just to be clear, like some people have a allergic reaction when you say rebasing because they've been burned with. For, for Ohm or one of these ones that has like negative rebasing uh, where you're you know you'll check your wallet and it will like a bunch of money will disappear disappeared. So you don't have that problem. It only rebases in the positive direction. Um, but that what, what's really cool about that is that your you know that your balance is just growing right there in your wallet. And so your your OUSD is you know always earning for you and it's always ready to spend as well. So if you want to send some OUSD to a friend you can send it to them. The minute it hits their wallet, it's immediately earning uh, for them as well, right? So everyone, everyone wins, and uh, you're you never have to go through that painful process of unwinding a position just to be able to spend it or use it in some other way.
1: I, I got to ask, just because it was so recent, uh, you know, the banking crisis that unfolded, and we saw Circle who had three and a half or something, three and a half billion dollars. Of USD uh, that was stored with Silicon Valley Bank when they went under, you know that weekend the market priced USDC as low as like eighty three cents or something like that, and it was this big scare. Die D pegged USDT Tether that D pegged to the upside that went as high as like a dollar and five cents, and so spreads Man. were all wacky. But as you know, at you, I'm asking, you know, was what was Origin's mindset going through that thing? I mean, that must have been chaos because how how would you guys as kind of something that's pegged to a lot of that stuff, like
2: how is it all worked out? <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was uh, obviously a bit of a, a nail biting experience for everyone. Um, you know, we, had, when we were designing origin dollar, we had, we we're operating under the assumption that these stable coins might have a serious depeg. Uh And we, we wanted to, to plan for that and, and the reason we we thought that could happen is just historically it's happened before right and so um looking back we looked at the charts it was that these you know each of these coins has had pretty major depegging events in the past um and so even though it doesn't feel too likely we better better plan for it and so we built in multiple precautions into origin dollar to make sure that we'd be prepared if anything was um, depegging, So we did things like we we used Chainlink oracles to tell us what the current price is. And then we're, you know, we're not going to give out a dollar worth of value for a coin that's trading at 93 cents, for example, right? We'll give you out 93 cents of value uh, instead of uh, a dollar. And so we had all these these protections built in to the protocol. Um, and so it was, but this was the first time it actually been tested in like a real world environment of a, a major stablecoin depegging pegging to, to this degree. Uh, and so we were very proud to see, you know, all of the protections we put in place really held up and, and did their job. Uh, and so, you know, OUSD, because it's uh, about a third of the backing was in USDC, um, you know, the price of OUSD came down as, as you would expect. Um, but what was interesting is because we had, you know, uh, a third of our collateral was in Tether, you know, people were swapping into OUSD in, instead of USDC or DAI uh, as it was, a, you know, a preferred asset. Uh, and so our, our price didn't peg as much. And then as people were, were arboring as well, um, we were able to actually make uh, quite a lot of money. And so the people holding OUSD um, ended up, I think that week, we did like 44% APY uh, on OUSD, um, it was you know we did we did maybe ten times more uh, money than we usually do uh, per day uh, during that episode. So um, not only did um, the protocol not lose money, we actually it was actually an incredibly profitable event uh, for OUSD. So those, sure costs,
1: for instance, those those profits, you know, all, all that volatility caused a lot of opportunity. Um and are those fees like shared back with the token holders of OGN? Is there some company that's operating this? How, what's kind of like the structure look like uh and for token holders who are thinking about maybe I'll buy OGN or take a look at OUSD,
2: what's kind of uh the structure there? Yeah, so um all of that yield comes back to the protocol. Um so it's we're not, we're not pulling the money out, um 10% of it is going to OGV holders. Uh, so just a little bit of historical context here. We, when we initially launched in 2018, we had OGN, uh, which was our, our first token. Right. Uh, and then we had these two products. We have Origin Story on the NFT side, and then we have Origin Dollar. Uh, and it was quite confusing to try and design good tokenomics for um, both tokens and two, with two completely separate products. Uh, and so we launched OGV as a governance token for origin dollar and so that's the the governance token for it today um and so 10 percent of the yield that's generated by OUSD is used to buy back uh OGV on the open market and then that's distributed as a reward to the people who are uh, vote locking their OGV so if you have OGV you want to participate in governance uh, you vote lock it, it's kind of like the Curves VE token model where the longer you lock up for, the greater your economic and voting power becomes. So it transfers the ownership of um, the contracts to those who are most invested in the long-term success of a protocol. Uh, and then again, the, that 10% yield is, is being distributed to those uh, people as an incentive for, uh, for locking up. And you can earn, you also earn great uh, APY on your OGB right now um through that through that incentive mechanism.
0: That's really cool.
3: Hey guys, Tivo here to tell you about the Ufi video lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera and a doorbell all in one. What I love about this product, is it is it's a truly all-in-one with the three-in-one. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit ufyofficialcom slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Ufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door.
5: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
0: Um, there's so many different pivots that Origin has made, and I want to touch on that in a minute. But let's go back to the original vision, that decentralized marketplace. At the time, maybe it was a little bit uh, too early to find the product market fit. But with central bank digital currencies coming out, all over the world, really fast. Um, and they've admitted there's going to be spending controls and things like that. I think decentralized marketplaces are actually going to have a huge part in Web3 and Web4 in the future. You know, where do you still see that use case coming in? Do you still believe in it? And how will Origin position itself to like capture all that?
2: yeah I, I still very much believe in that i think we'll, we'll see it um come to fruition at, at some point now what we ran into is like there's a lot of um problems at least when we were starting 2017 2018 it just hadn't been solved yet so a lot of use cases we were thinking about is how do you replicate uber uh, on the blockchain how do you do things like airbnb on the blockchain um, and so a lot of the challenges we ran into were things like identity privacy um do you actually want to be you know, revealing your physical location uh, on an immutable blockchain for all eternity. I mean, that's maybe not the smartest idea. Um, gas costs are um, a huge problem, right? You're going to pay $40 in gas for a $10 Uber, right? Like, you know, how's this going to work? So there's a lot of pieces that just we hadn't we hadn't figured out uh, at that point. Um, and what we saw was that, like, the, the best use case for a decentralized marketplace right now would be a uh, Silk Road. Right. <laughs> That's the sort of your, your use case where you people need it the most. Um, but we have you know, our, our you know, both both myself and my co-founder were both in the US, uh and we like our lives. We don't want to spend the rest of our lives in, in prison. So uh, that was not something we were we were willing to go and 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 chase after. So um a, a lot of the other sort of use cases we're playing around with with marketplaces. You know the you don't need a decentralized T chart store, right? Shopify works just fine for that. Um, it's really like whatever use cases where you really need that that decentralization, uh, and it tends to be more in the in the gray and in the, in the black areas um, that are really hard for you know teams like ours to to really go after and, and build out. Um, but. What we sort of learned was that things got way, way easier once we started focusing on NFTs. Um, all of the questions that were really hard to answer uh, when you're connecting sort of an online, offline world suddenly become a lot easier with NFTs, right? So um, if you're trying to do like an Airbnb type experience and someone's claiming they had a terrible experience at your Airbnb and you're like, I don't even know if the the home exists, right? Like someone put up a listing and they claim they have a home and someone claims they stayed there and they said they had a bad time. Like how do you, how do you even arbitrate that and figure out what actually happened on, uh, you know, mm-hmm. with NFTs, everything is just on the blockchain. Everything can be validated by the smart contracts themselves. And so everything gets way, way simpler uh, when you, when you just focus on, You know nfts and digital assets uh and so that's i think that's going to be a sort of a stepping stone. it's going to be um you know we're going to learn a lot about how to run decentralized marketplaces with nfts and then hopefully we can start um getting back to that original vision around um you know unlocking some of these real world experiences as well Um, we're already starting to see that a little bit so one uh we, we partnered with roofstock um, they have, um, uh, you know, this very unicorn company, they, they, uh, help sell homes, uh, and they actually tokenized their, uh, the, the, we've actually sold two homes now as NFTs. Uh, and so basically how they set it up is they, uh, the homes themselves are owned by LLCs. And then in charter for that LLC, it says, whoever owns this NFT owns this home. Uh, and so then you have this NFT, that you can you know, transfer on OpenSea or you can use it any, you know, however you want. Uh, and whoever owns that legally owns that house due to you know, the way the charter is set up. Wow. Uh, and so you think about like, like efficient. All, like, how efficient, right? And so think about the future where now you can take that NFT, you can pop it onto a lending platform, and now you can take out a loan against the collateral of your house Uh, and lever up on Bitcoin using your house as collateral, right? Like, how how cool is that? (laughs) sounds
1: dangerous, and we do not endorse that kind of behavior. (laughs) (laughs) But the optionality Uh, is is good. Um, I love love the vision of where this is going. Um, You know, we do hear all these stories about, oh, my board ape got stolen because I clicked a phishing link. Sure. Um, sure. And, you know, there's going to be arbitration around that where, you know, just because you steal the keys to my house doesn't mean you legally own my house, right? And so there is going to be some uh, some level of of gray area there, which I'm excited to see how how the real estate market works itself out there. But I think it could a lot of efficiencies could come uh, from NFTs. I, I think really, you know, the the one thing I want to really highlight is that for all the yield generation stuff that's going on, I think decentralization is really the key because. Against a backdrop of catastrophic failures in the crypto lending market of 2022, where every single centralized lender, barring, you know, a couple uh, went belly up, went bust, are dealing with gnarly bankruptcy claims right now. We know a lot of people who got tied up in, in Celsius or Blockfire, FTX, and all that shit. Yeah. And so that was all a function of centralization, opaque yield sort of mechanisms, opaque tranching. And I think what makes Origin different and particularly just interesting is that everything is handled in a decentralized way. All of the components that go into um, any sort of product is all publicly auditable. And you know it's funny because Sam Bankman Freed, there's this big 45 page court document that just got released this weekend, and it's like Sam Bankman Freed saying how unauditable FTX and Alameda really were. And he goes, sometimes there would be days where we would find 50 million dollars and nobody knew where it came from or how we got it, and all this <sighs> stuff. And it's like that was like the level of you know gross negligence and ineptitude that was going on over there. But that would never be able to happen if they were accountable publicly on the Ethereum blockchain, like what Origin's yeah. doing. So. So talk about that a little bit and give some color into into decentralization in your protocol.
2: Yeah, I, I love uh, the way you set that up and described it. I think it's it's absolutely correct. It's it's more important than ever. And a lot of people who are like, yeah, yeah, decentralization, no one really cares. Uh, now they are like, oh, I get it now. I see. Yeah, why now I actually, fucking care. No, <laughs> now I get it. You know, that that nice to have. You know. Uh, I remember 2018, everyone was like, oh, no one really cares about decentralized. No one really cares. And it's like, well, now they do. Now they understand why this, this stuff matters. And I think people are sick and tired of trust us, funds are safe finance, right? Whether it's in yep. traditional finance, whether it's in um, you know, the the centralized lenders out there that all collapsed. Um now, yeah, I mean after you know, FTX, you actually you could see the outflows from centralized exchanges into self custodian wallets uh and so you know sam bankman fried and gary Gensler have probably done more for the cause of decentralization than most of us who, who are working in the industry trying to uh convince people that uh that this is something we should do right so um uh, you know people people really are, are starting to get the, the importance of it uh and so for us you know we take it we take it very seriously right it's all the funds are, are completely auditable on-chain. Our code is open source. Um, we take it one step further than, than a lot of projects in that we do all our work in public as well. And so our Discord is open to public. Our entire team works fair in public. So not only can you see the code, but you can actually be part of the conversations and the discussions as we're making decisions and deciding how we want to implement things. Uh, and so that, you know, they, they say like sunlight is the best disinfectant. And it really really is true that like you're um when you're when you're doing work in public and you're getting lots of eyes on stuff it ends up making your your work that much more secure it makes it you know you get the advantage of multiple perspectives and opinions uh and it just makes it stronger uh as a result and so um uh, people don't have to wonder like where the yield's coming from uh, all of that is is visible on chain and uh, we also do a lot of work just to make it easy for other people to understand uh, as well, because, you know, not everyone you know is able to dig through, you know, block explorer, explorers and figure out exactly what's going on. Uh, and so we have lots of analytics, dashboards and um, uh, tooling to, to let people see exactly uh, where those funds are and, and how are things being learned. Um, and then the governance is also super important as well, right? And so we're we're quite proud of um, the progression we've made to ha- progressively hand over control of the contracts to our community. So, like many projects, we started out, you know, just sort of deploying them on a, a single wallet, moving them to multi sig. Um, we put up, then we put a time lock in front of that that multi sig, so that if we were to ever do something malicious our community could see that it's coming and someone could sound the alarm, hey, have, something bad's about to happen and people would have time to get their money out before that, that code is actually upgraded, you know, like that code is executed. Uh, and then finally, we, we've actually now handed over the keys to the community. And so OGV, is, um, OGV holders and uh, are literally the ones who are controlling the, the protocol. Uh, and so um, wow. you know, yeah, it's, it's 100% token governance at this point. Uh, and they're actually, you know, there's still a time lock in front of it. So if something, uh, something does get through, people can can see what's happening. But, um, yeah, it's, it's fully community-owned at this point. I love
0: seeing a founder and a project where this road to decentralization is actually happening. And it has to happen in phases. It can't just be at once. And it takes a lot of time to build a strong community, to trust, to, you know, take over raising your baby, essentially. Uh, So it's amazing to see that with Origin. And if we're going to be trying to onboard the next 100 million users, something you touched on earlier that was a missing component back in the day was identity. Now there's several Mm -hmm. different options to choose from, whether it's soulbound tokens or connecting a third-party service like Civic or Lens Protocol or DSO, or potentially Mm -hmm. even something a little bit more sophisticated like, uh, a user's biometric stored in their device's secure enclave. How is Origin going to approach uh, blockchain identity in their protocol?
2: <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I- I'm not sure. It's not something we're working on uh, specifically ourselves, but we're certainly um, keeping tabs on you know the different work in this space. I think my thinking has evolved over time. Uh, and, and that is kind of like you, you talk about the hacks of people, you know, losing their apes and stuff like that. You, you certainly have been you know, a lot of challenges around maintaining um, a, a specific key, right? And so, um, if you have your whole identity tied to a, a single wallet, um, what happens if it gets compromised? How are how are you going to you know what's the process for moving to a, a different key? Um, you also have a problem of like you don't actually want to have all of your financial data tied to a single wallet right i don't i don't share um uh screenshots of my bank account with the entire world uh it's it's a bit weird to do that in in crypto where um you know it's, it's very very challenging to stay anonymous or keep your your transactions um you know completely anonymous and so um I think these are some of the challenges we haven't fully figured out yet. And what, what does that look like? Um, do we, you know, um, do we want to have all of this stuff fully public, uh, to, to the entire world? Um, I, I don't, I don't think the answer is yes. Right. I think some stuff is fine. Other stuff, um, you know, we, maybe we want to use, you know, ZK snarks and use uh, zero knowledge proofs to be able to, um, add more privacy into the mix as well. And so I'm pretty excited about the work that's being done on on that front. Uh, Obviously, privacy is really important and financial privacy uh, is is really important. So I think we've got a lot of work to do on that front um, to be able to do identity, but also uh, have have privacy as well.
1: Yeah. And I also think it's important to understand this is not like unauditable privacy. This is cryptographically provable truths that are anchored on chain. that retain privacy, but you know, prove that you know statements or you know things that are uh, being transacted uh, are not counterfeit, and, and these signatures are real signatures. and And I think that's important. Where you could you know think, oh man, well, here one one second this guy was saying everything's publicly transparent on Audible, and then I'm hearing that you know we need more privacy. So I think a lot of people have. Uh, those two notions as a binary in their mind, that they can't actually be publicly audible and private. But zk Stark and zero-knowledge proofs and all the zero-knowledge technology, which everybody is going to start hearing a lot more about in crypto, um, kind of offer this. Would that be a fair kind of
2: suggestion to the audience? For, For sure, for sure. And one thing I often hear getting conflated is sort of the power of public key encryption and the fact that millions of users now have wallets where they can sign a message and verify a signature that often gets conflated with blockchains and they build, you know, wherever we take that signature and we store it on an immutable database that's shared across tens of thousands of computers all around the world. Those are two separate things. And a lot of times, um, all you need is the signatures. And, um, you know, what I think one of the best things that come out of crypto is now we have millions of people have a way to, to, um, you know, public key encryption, um, generate signatures, verify signatures, and a lot of stuff doesn't need to be stored forever. Um, you can, you can, there's a lot of really cool things that you can do just with public key encryption. You know, I I find it very magical. Uh, and it's actually the answer to a lot of the fucked up systems in this world that, you just go, what, what would be a better way of doing this? It's like, oh, public key encryption. right? So and here in the U.S., you know, they when you're born, you get a social security number uh, and you have this this number. They give it to you and literally like a flimsiest little piece of paper. It's not even a card. They don't even laminate. It's just a piece of paper. And they say, this is the most important document the government will ever give you in your life. Uh, don't let anyone else have this number because then they can like open up bank accounts, take out debt. They, can, name. Ruin got, your they can ruin <laughs> your life. They can ruin your life. Oh but you have to give it out all the time if you want to like get you know it's buy ridiculous. a car or get a job or whatever right
6: And, well, and think so it's about like, also
1: the same concept applies <laughs> to like when you write a check. And on the bottom is your account number and your routing number. It's like you give somebody a check, and then they have, if they wanted to be
2: the uh, private malicious, key. They, you know, yeah, they have your <laughs> private key. It's the same, <laughs> you know, credit card, same thing, right? Like we should yep. that, that should be the credit card number, should be the public key. And there should be a private key that's held, you know, privately, but no, we, we published was essentially the, the private key. And then we give it to strangers all the time and they run in the back room and, you know, hopefully are not jotting it down to go, you know, have a field day on Amazon later. Right. So right. what are, what is a solution to all of these things we talked about, right? Secure, so security numbers, checks, credit card numbers, all of that, the, the answer is so obvious, right? The answer is public key encryption. Uh, and so, um, whether you use a blockchain in collaboration with that or not it, you know may, maybe you need it maybe you don't um, but public key encryption is really a solution to a lot of these problems around identity and how you prevent fraud and, uh, and abuse um, and so so much um, think how much credit card fraud could be eliminated if you simply treat it as um, you know the credit card number is a public key and maybe it, pushes a a push notification to your phone where your private key is held, and then you either approve or you deny it, and then it it goes through, right? Like, so simple, right? These solutions are are right in front of us. Um, And so I I would predict we're going to start seeing a lot of this, uh, a lot of things we've learned from, um, you know, building blockchains and public key encryption. We're going to see a lot of that start getting adopted by traditional finance as well. It just makes so much sense uh, not to do it.
0: It's so obvious when you put it like that. <laughs> it makes <laughs> you wonder what's taken so long. But with all that said, um, some of these features are still lacking on Ethereum mainnet. Is there any thought of maybe some adoption to layer two to have optional ZK privacy or save money on some gas fees? What's some of the next technical updates for Origin?
2: Yeah, we're well. We're um we are looking into different layer twos um, we don't have any immediate plans to um, port Origin Dollar to other chains. Uh, Origin Story is already available on Polygon, and we're we're working on adding support for additional chains on, on that side of the business. So, you know, we're we're um, things are a little bit easier on, on that front. Um, there's quite a lot of complexity with Origin Dollar because uh, as a yield aggregator, we're getting the yield from multiple different protocols, and so if we go to you know Arbitrum. The, the protocols that we can earn yield from are completely different from what we are on Ethereum. So it just means the amount of work we have to do, understand them, understand the risk profiles, monitor them. Uh, is quite a heavy lift. Uh, and that's just for one chain, right? So imagine doing that across, right. you know, five or six different chains. Uh, yeah, you know, well, a what could go team. wrong
1: there with all the different protocols? I mean, the more complexities, the more risk. That's why MakerDAO has only stayed on one chain, Ethereum, yeah. right? They're like, we're not yeah. going to screw around with everything.
2: And you get you add in the bridging risk, and you add in mm-hmm. like um, you know different assets on these different chains. You have different protocols, like where's, you know you can you can take a fork of compound to a new chain, put in slightly different assets, and, and the thing can blow up, right? So right. <laughs> you've got to totally. be really, really, really careful uh, with what you are doing. And so uh, it's something we want to do, but it's it's just that we're, we're not, yeah, down the line we're not quite ready to to bite that off um it would help a lot if someone if we can just get a clear winner in in the layer two wars right right now is a bit of a race uh between you know multiple players and kind of who's in the lead changes uh from month to month uh and so it makes it really hard for us to know where to invest uh our resources uh as all you know incentives often change um kind of dynamics there on um, where we want to go and um you know, if it takes us months to write some code and get it audited and, and ready, you know, what if we do all that work and all the actions move to another chain uh, by the time we get ready to launch? So it's been a bit bit of a challenge for us. Um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll get uh, um, better at it at some point. Um, Speaking but, of a challenge, yeah, go, you're yeah.
0: a founder that's now been through two bear markets. Mm-hmm. Yet You still have your hair. You still have (laughs) your company, and you still are able to laugh. You have a smile on your face. What's the secret sauce from hmm. a founder's perspective of you know keeping your company afloat, keeping the mood light, the belief strong? I know there's a lot of people that are listening right now that are losing their hair and they're losing some sleep (laughs) as they look at their bags underwater and wondering, you know, will this stuff even be around in a while? Can you give us some yeah. words of encouragement in these crazy times?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, at first it's, it comes down to just like a fundamental belief and in, in why we're here, what we're building, why it matters, and how important it is, right? And so, you know, despite like all of the stuff that's happening in traditional finance, the banks collapsing, the dollar inflation, you know, a lot of um, a, a lot of things that, that give you, you know, cause for concern. It's also a reminder of like why this why this stuff is so important in the in the beginning right it's like the the initial message that was baked into the genesis block of bitcoin was like you know we're on the brink of a a chancellor on the brink of a bailout for banks right and that was that was encrypted right there in the the initial block and that's why we're here right this is and so uh it really believing in um why we're here why this is important why this matters that really that's sort of foundation that that keeps you going. Uh, And then I think the second thing is just learning to manage your emotions, uh, which is a lot easier to say than than do. Um, But I I think there's definitely an art to, um, you know, during the bull markets, you know, regulating your euphoria, um, being, you know, Mm -hmm. not getting carried away, not getting too excited. Um, Because, you know, when you go into the bear market, you don't want to be depressed uh, and let the market Um, drive your emotions so the more you can uh, just stay centered um realize that there are cycles in crypto uh and after you've been through it a few times you start kind of getting used to the volatility right we've been through um we've been through bear markets before we're going to be through bear markets again um but we're also you know it's the bull markets um that are kind of the exciting part that gives a lot a lot of opportunity as, as more people come in so um Part of it's just experience. You kind of get, you kind of get used to the ride. Um, mm-hmm. But realizing why we're here and why it matters is really the the key to um, staying resolute, even when uh, you know things are, are you know get a little bit discouraging on the uh, on the markets.
1: No, Josh, you you really hit the nail on the head. Uh, couldn't have said it better. You know, somebody as well who's been through a few bear market cycles. My myself, the key is staying optimistic and. You know, looking at what this industry can be uh, 18, 24 months out and buying based on that. You, know, you don't buy based on present value, you, buy, you kind of buy based on where this could go, future value. And with Bitcoin, for instance, um, you know, Bitcoin's halving is coming up next year, and its floor price uh, for its cost of production for Bitcoin is right, going to be right around $40,000, um, all else staying equal. I mean that's just a year away. So Bitcoin's going to have a so it fundamentally it's got $10,000 to go until it just hits its floor value and historically it's traded uh very 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 far uh and long above its uh floor value of cost of production. So, you know, we're we're underneath that. I think that's a tailwind. Um but before I let you go, I got one question about uh another tailwind in our ecosystem, potentially a headwind. I don't know, you tell me. Ethereum Shanghai. Um hmm. you know, by the time uh viewers are listening to this it will have been uh a few days after shanghai goes live on april 12th uh wednesday is when shanghai goes live what are your projections just for what's going to happen are things going to go smoothly and what makes this so important i kind of view it as a moment where you know the internet gets its native yield bearing instrument and it's this (laughs) explosion of of new stuff is it going to change your guys's business at all
2: Uh, It is. Uh, I'm I'm glad you asked. Uh, We're actually getting ready to launch uh, a new product. Uh, It's it's called Origin uh, Ether, um, or OEF. uh, And basically, it gives you a way to stack Ethereum, just like you can stack uh, dollars with OUSD. And so it's uh, going to be the easiest way for you to earn yield on Ethereum. You just grab some OEF, and it will grow in your wallet. Uh, and the way it does that is with LSDs or liquid staking derivatives that are coming from uh, the 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 different staking rewards that are available. Uh, so we're super excited to uh, be launching that it's going to be coming out very, very soon. Um, it's essentially the exact same code base as, origin dollar. So you get kind of the same security guarantees. It's been audited by Open Zeppelin and trailer Bits and all the top firms, and it's been battle-tested with hundreds of millions of dollars, but you're getting kind of these new assets and these these new ways to earn on your ETH. Uh, and so anyway, predictions, what's going to happen? Um, yeah, I think I mean, looking at it, Ethereum actually has a pretty low staking participation level compared to uh, other layer ones. Uh, and so right. I think there's a lot of room for um, more people to come in and start staking Staking once it's easy to unstake, right? And so it's pretty, you know, uh, people are very rational about this, right? You don't want to stake your e if there isn't a good way to unstake. Uh, and so I think... Um, you want to drive down know, the two-way street, not a one-way street. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's going to make it a lot easier for um, a lot more people to come in and, and start participating. Um, so i some of the things that will happen, I think we'll probably see, you know, uh, staking rates go up. We'll probably see the yields come down. Um, one, because your, are um, you know, sort of the native yield is going to come down. Uh, and then because there hasn't been a way to unstake, companies like Lido have had to offer a lot of incentives to guarantee liquidity for their tokens, right? So you have your, your tokens that... Um, you can, you know, as a, an easy way to sort of swap out of that that stake position, um, and so they had to offer like huge incentives to to keep that liquidity there. Um, that's we're still going to want that liquidity, but kind of the, the need for that is going to drop um, as people are able to to unstake as they want. Yeah, like so probably the, we'll the liquid
1: stake, the need for the liquid staking derivatives like the the staked ETH, like that's kind of kind of going to
2: diminish. Do you think? I think no, the the. LSDs are still going to be popular. People still want liquidity. Um, and it's just nice to be able to have someone else manage it for you, right? The average person doesn't want right. to run a validator. Um, it, it, You know, it's it's not particularly fun or easy. And it, it's, you know, you'd rather delegate that someone who has, you know, the expertise to, to keep that running. Um, so I, I don't see LSDs going away at all. I think we're going to grow. Uh, I think we're going to see tremendous growth. Uh, in that area, and origin ETH should be a good way for people to earn additional yield on top. So you'll get, you know, mm-hmm. superior yields holding O E, and you would holding Lido E or Coinbase E for any of the, the native um, yields because you're getting all of that yield first, and then we're stacking more yield on top, right? So um, whatever Got we it. can get from l- lending it out, trading it, any incentives. All of that will be stacked on top, so you'll get superior yields on OEF. Uh and so that's uh, that's going to be coming hopefully in uh, near future. So, so sounds to more like turbo OEF. To take that up.
1: Yeah, exactly. Love it. Well, Josh, man, this was an absolute, uh, just a great time. Uh, I learned a lot. Uh, both about the protocol, about you know you guys and your growth and where this industry is headed. So uh, we appreciate you spending 45 minutes with us today on the Crypto 101 podcast. Um, where can people kind of follow along? Where's the best place? I know you said your Discord, people just you know go Google it or, or where
2: would you want to drive some traffic to? Sure. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter, uh, Josh Fraser. Uh, for Origin, you can go to originprotocol.com. And then for uh, OUSD, OUSD.com and OEF.com. So we have all the all .com all right. domains there.
1: OEF.com. I'm going to check that one out. That sounds cool, yes. man. I'm. Oh, I like this. It's just a little uh, a teaser. Well, a low, low
2: placeholder c- coming soon. W- when's that launching? Uh, near 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 future. Uh, okay. We haven't announced the exact date yet, but it's, it's coming.
1: Sounds good. Uh, Josh, thank you so much. And we look forward to catching up with you again here in the near future.
2: Pleasure's all mine. Thanks for having me on.